Hey, good morning. I get a lot of credit I don't deserve. And let me tell you how it works. And I, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the kind words, but people always write to me and telling me that, that my talks have changed their lives. But really what, what I'm doing, I'm just sort of the middleman, okay? Because the word comes from God, I just talk about it. And what you're feeling when your life changes is what, what's happened is you've actually become part of the talk. Because you've agreed with what God says and you've, you've implemented your life and then you experience life change and you write me and you say, Mark, your talk's changed my life. But in reality, what happened is you came into the equation. Because see, I could talk all day about what God does, but if you didn't accept it and if you didn't put it into practice in your life, it'd just be religion. And that, I really think that's the difference between religion and what happens at New Spring Church because you guys are really, really serious about, about experiencing God and knowing him, you know, not just, not just religious dogma. So that's really exciting. And the reason why I say that, though, is I'm going to need your help more than ever this morning because um, if, if you don't help me with this talk it's going to just fizzle. It's just going to go right into the ground. And I'm kind of a little bit insecure about that because here's the deal. This morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you a principle, but you have to do the application. And by that, I mean, I'm going to show you how a principle of God works in all of our lives, but it it manifests itself in all different kinds of ways. And for those of you who've been at New Spring for lots of years, you know that I'm a principle communicator. I really believe that God has spun certain principles into our universe. And if we find those and, 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 and buy into them, that they'll work in any aspect of our lives. For instance, let me give you an example of that. Uh, The Bible says if you want to be great, become small. In other words, if you want to be exalted and important in life, then be everybody's servant. Well, I don't care where you put that into practice. That's going to work. It'll work in your marriage. It'll work with your friendships. It'll work in the work environment. That's a principle. If you want to be great, be small. Um, Another principle that, that God has put into his universe is that if Christ is lifted up, then God will draw people to him. Um, But today I want to talk about one of those really, really important principles that you know is true in your life, I think, to a large extent. But hopefully we'll we'll take it to a whole new level today. But i got to have your help. So if you're into taking notes, you might just want to have a blank piece of paper in front of you where you can like say, okay. And and I'm not saying you're going to get something from me. I'm just saying this is something God is going to speak to you about while I'm talking today. Because you're going to say, well, ow, that... in that area of my life, this would really work. And you don't necessarily have to spell it out. If you're sitting by your husband or wife or kids or whatever, or your parents, maybe you can just put it in code or something because it might be kind of personal and sensitive. But we're going to talk today about one of the most important principles in your life. And I got to tell you this, this is a swimming upstream kind of principle. This will make you a different kind of person. Any of you ever come from a religious background where you had to look weird to be part of that religion? I kind of came from that background, you know. Uh, I came, I was in the 70s. I remember that, you know, boy, if you were part of this religion, if you were a guy, you couldn't have long hair. I can even remember where you couldn't have beards and that kind of thing. You know, I, listen, I want to tell you something. If you'll buy into this principle day, it'll be all the different you want to be. I promise you. You will be very different. But the important thing is you'll be able to live your life in a most wonderful kind of way. Let me start by saying this. I think in the heart of every human being, there is a desire to live large. I think God has put it there. There is this feeling that my life should be growing. I should be increasing. I should be more of of who I am this time next year than I am today. Uh, God has put within us a a desire to live large. But how many of us have discovered that um, trying to live large is a challenge, even in America as rich as we are? It goes something like this. 
We've already talked about addition and subtraction, haven't we? Because we're talking about how life works, and we're kind of focusing on mathematics because, as we've said, mathematics is a universal. It's an objective. The answer is the answer. And there's some things that are true about God in our universe that work the same way. Whether I know them or not, they're still true. Whether I embrace them or not, doesn't matter. It's still true. So we've said God adds, and we saw last week that the enemy subtracts. And so a lot of us are living life that way. We're saying, okay, life adds, life takes away, check my balance. What do I have left? How many of us have discovered that we're, we're receiving more, we're getting more than we've ever had in the past, and yet we've discovered we can lose a lot at the same time? I add, you know, some God adds, people add, I work for stuff, I'm, I have addition, but then I got subtraction going on. When I check my balance, I'm not living large. Some of us are making money that we never thought we would ever make. 20, 30 years ago, if somebody told us we'd be making what we're making today, we'd have said, oh, I'm going to be the richest man, richest woman in town. But we just didn't know how much was going to be going out, right? We didn't know what utility prices were going to be, home prices, automobile prices. So I, I, I have addition going on. I have subtraction going on. I check my balance. And even though we've been educated big, we're being paid big, we're living small. There's not much margin left. And we're asking ourselves, will I ever be able to live large? Where, you know, I have addition, subtraction, I check my balance, it's small, I'm living small. Well, what can happen at that point if, if, if years go by, I mean, even if you're 15 or if you're 35 or 85 or whatever, if you live life that way where I'm going to just live by addition and subtraction, you'll wake up one day and you're going to say, I'm not sure I'm going to have enough to really make it through my life. Whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about relationships, or even we're just talking about personal space. We say, I'm living so small, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. So do you know what life teaches us at that point? If I'm going to live by addition and subtraction and checking my balance, then the only way, listen, this is so big, the only way I'm going to make it is I have to acquire and retain. I have to acquire and retain. So I'm going to acquire everything I can acquire, and I'm going to try to hold on to it. And therein lies the way life just gets so messed up. The moment I discover that I'm going to have to live my life by acquisition and retention, I'm dead because I'm never going to be able to have enough or acquire enough so that I can be living large. And that's when I begin and when you and I begin to, we begin to cut a few corners. In order to acquire, we're saying, well, you know what? I'm going to have to kind of manipulate the circumstances. And in order to retain, I'm going to have to shut down a little bit and I can't be vulnerable and, I, and I, I'm just going to have to like put up guards and barriers so that I can retain everything I have and hold on to my stuff so that I can be living large. My joy this morning is to tell you there's a whole nother way to live. Because addition and subtraction aren't the only functions of mathematics. I remember when, when I started learning about multiplication, I was amazed at how much difference that X or that dot made. Because you start multiplying stuff by stuff, and the answers get big real fast. God has made us, God has made every living organism, and especially human beings, God has made us all with the potential to live a life of multiplication. So that it's not just add, subtract, check your balance. So that it's not just acquire and retain. There's the possibility of actually living life with exponential multiplication. God has made that possible. So my, my, my goal is to get you thinking this morning and, and to, uh, to, to get you thinking about how you're living because every person here is living life in one of two ways. Um, a lot of us are living life like it's an apple. 
and we get our, our life and we can cut it open and we can start counting how many seeds do I have in my apple. And I've got two right here in this half. If I'm counting my resources, I'm basically counting the seeds in my apple. Here's how God wants you to live. God wants you to live counting how many apples are in your seed. Take your Bibles if you have them this morning and look at the very first chapter of the Bible. Verse 11 of chapter 1, the Bible says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. God has put within every living organism seed. Now, does seed exist in a plant or an organism or an animal or a human being? Does seed exist just to replace, you know, does, does the seed in this apple exist just to replace this one apple? Does a, does a kernel of corn exist just to reproduce one more kernel of corn? No. Seed, the very, I mean, when God puts seed in the Bible, the very first thing he is teaching, in fact, this is the very first thing God ever says about life, any living organism, is that seed exists for the purpose of multiplication. Now, this verse that I'm going to read to you generally gets applied to humankind, but really God put this blessing on everything living. So when, when you go home today and you look at the tulips, or not tulips, but when you look at whatever's in your flower bed, or you look at your trees, or you look at the animals running around, scurrying around, wild animals, or the, you know, the domesticated animals in your neighborhood, God has put this blessing over every living creature. Verse 22 of Genesis, then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and what? Multiply. Not add, but be fruitful and multiply. Now, the thing about multiplication goes like this. And, and, and you remember a few moments ago I said the problem that as soon as we start living life by add, subtract, check our balance, then that moves us into an area in which we, which we uh, obtain or acquire and, and try to hold on, retain. Let's just say I took this apple and I said, I'm going to hold on to these seeds. Because if I'm going to count the eight seeds in this apple, if I'm going to have the same number of seeds in the future that I have today, I've got to hold on to them. You would say, Mark, that is absolutely ridiculous. Because in order for me to plant these seeds and have multiplications of apples, I've got to do two things. I have got to lose the seed. I've got to surrender the seed. And I have to wait. Now, the reason why most of us, reasons plural, why most of us don't live lives of multiplication is we have learned that if I'm going to get ahead in life, if I'm going to live large, I'm going to have to acquire as much as I can, and I'm going to have to hold tight to it. That's the reason why years pass and we're still living small, is we haven't learned this, these principles that God tried to spin out at the, in the very first chapter of the Bible, which is if for life to multiply, for us to really live large, we have to be willing to release the seed. And what is the seed? The seed is basically just who we are and who God made us to be. And then we have to wait. Oh, that's the hard part for me. One of my favorite Bible stories, it's really written in several of the Gospels, but my favorite, my favorite occurrence of it is in John chapter 6. Because in this, in this story that Jesus told, we have the problem of why addition doesn't work on the scale that we need it to work. Jesus was teaching. 
Jesus must have been some teacher, guys. I, I, I cannot wait for the day when we get to heaven and Jesus just stands up and talks. Because whatever he wants to talk about, I want to listen. People would come and listen to him all day long. Kids, like the boy in our story, kids would just like come and listen to him for hours. And whenever you can get an you know, eight-year-old boy to listen to you all day long, you've got to be something really special. 5,000 men. We may have 2,500 people this weekend at New Spring. That's a lot of people. Imagine if they were all coming over to your house for lunch today. That'd be something. But let's just say that you're not at your house. Let's say you're out, at some, you know, you're out in some remote area, and you have to feed 20, I mean, 2,500 people are there, you know, who are at New Spring this weekend, and they're hungry, and they're looking at you. What would you do? But Jesus didn't have 2,500 people. He had 5,000 men. Now, we're talking, you know, we're talking life here. If you've got 5,000 men, there's a real good chance you've got 5,000 ladies. And if you have 5,000 men and 5,000 ladies, we're talking multiplication here. There's a chance you've got a kid or two. Maybe 20,000 people here. And Jesus, you know, Jesus, when we get to, you know, a lot of us have come from religion, you know, everything's just real somber. And I, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out Jesus loves to laugh. He's kind of, jer- you know, he's kind of jerking the chain of some of the disciples here. Because the Bible says in John, it's gospel, Jesus knew what he was going to do. But he went over and found Philip and he said, Philip, I, I've, been, uh, I've been a little concerned here, buddy. We've got thousands of people here. They're hungry. Um, what do you think we should do about feeding these people? And Philip said, Lord, it feels up to me. I just send them home. And he, because Philip is saying, I've looked at this thing, man. I've looked at what we have, and I've looked at how much 20,000 people could eat, and I just don't think, I'm checking the balance here, and I think the smart thing to do is to give up and quit. And that is what living life the way I talked about at the beginning, that is how it will mess you up. At some point, you'll say, I think I may as well just give up and quit. I've tried so hard, I've worked so hard, but it's not happening, and I'm living small, so I think I'm just going to give up and quit. And that's what Philip said. Philip said, I think we should just send them home. And there's Andrew. Andrew is totally impractical. Have you ever known somebody in your life is just totally impractical? You know, they like come up with stuff, and you're saying, well, what, how do I answer that? I mean, that, that is just crazy. Andrew said, well, I've been out trolling for food, and I found, I found something here. I, I got, there, there's a kid here, and he's got a sack lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish. Now, listen, I'm telling you, when I'm a kid and I'm listening to the story, I'm thinking he's got five loaves of bread, and he's got two catfish or two bass or something like that. Dead wrong. Loaves are just like pita bread. He had like five little pitas and a couple of small dried fish, because after all, pita bread doesn't have any spice and a dried fish or they were there to give spice to the bread. I mean, he had just like this cheap lunch. Now, you know, some of these smarter like scholars that try to deny the supernatural in the Bible, they have an answer for this. They say, really, that Jesus didn't, you know, multiply the food to feed thousands of people, that everybody really brought their lunch, but they were hoarding it. And so when they saw the little boy come far with his sack lunch, they, they got guilty and brought out all their food. Okay, isn't that stupid? First of all, how do you keep all that fish from smelling? I'm just curious about that. Something happened. Something changed the physics of that food. Because by the time it was over, there was enough. I mean, Jesus said, have everybody sit down. He organized them, which, by the way, is what we're going to talk about next week. I can't wait to start next week's message. That's on division. We'll get there next week. But he said, have everybody sit down. And then Jesus started 
He blessed the food and he broke it and he kept breaking it and he kept breaking it. And by the time it was over, he fed thousands of people. Cool story. But the end is even better because Jesus said to these, you know, these guys that said, send them home and all this kind of stuff. Jesus said, hey, guys, go, go pick up everything that's left over. And when they picked it up, there were 12 baskets, which, by the way, that was no accident. There were 12 disciples. So I can just see this little kid going home. I have a vivid imagination. I hope God kept all this on video because I want to watch it when I get to heaven. Here's 12 disciples, you know, each one with a basket on their head. And this little kid, you know, I can see this little eight-year-old boy leading the troop. And he goes and knocks on his door. And when his mom opens the door, she sees her boy with 12 guys with baskets on their head. And she said, what is this? And he says, leftovers, mom, leftovers. <laughs> Why did that boy live large? Hey, wouldn't it be fun to talk to him when we get to heaven? Sweet. Why was he living large? What did he do? Look, he took what he had in his hand and he turned it over to Jesus and he backed off and waited. I don't see here that he told Jesus how to do it or told him, asked him what he was going to do before he gave him his lunch. He just basically said, I'm surrendering it to your hands. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to live large, let me tell you, and like I said, this is upstream and I know it's a challenge and, and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to say, well, all, almost all the people I know are not living this way and you're going to be spot on right, but you can live large. If you are willing to take what God has given to you and see it not as add, subtract, check my balance and acquire and retain. If you're willing to see what God has given you a seed in which by faith you take what you have in your hand and you turn it over to Christ. And you back off and let him do what he does. You can live large. Let me give you an example. In the Success Street series in the first part of this year, I I talked about tithing in one sermon. You guys blew me away. I mean, for the next few weeks, you know, my email box was full and you wrote me letters and and, and I just heard these wonderful stories and it was so exciting because you wrote me and you said, Mark, many of you said, "I I did it for the very first time. And then this began to happen, and that began to happen, and there was this check in the mail that I didn't expect, and, and I got this raise. And, and, and I'm not telling you that this is God responding to tithing. You told me. You said, I know. This is strange. This is out of the ordinary. I took a risk, and I tried something, and God just came through. Well, that's no surprise. Because you just did what we're talking about here. You started living by multiplication. You said, okay, God has asked me to bring the first tent. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to, like, surrender it out of my hands. I'm not going to live by... Add, subtract, check my balance, acquire and retain. I'm going to like release the seed that God has given me and I'm going to back off and let God work and God worked and, and you live by multiplication. But it isn't just money. In fact, I think money sometimes is the easiest thing to give. Let me read you a scripture from the Bible. This is Peter talking here in Matthew 19. Peter answered him, that's Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Now, in Peter's case, it wasn't just like giving God his tithe. It was like Peter, Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus came walking by the docks one day and said, Peter, come follow me. And Peter left the family business, and he like gave his whole life to Jesus. And so at one point he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to ask you a straight up question. What's in it for me? I've left everything. Now, again, like I said, the Bible's a little humorous, you know. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, Peter, you really didn't leave a whole lot, man. You're a blue-collar guy. You're a fisherman. You're, you know, minimum wage earner. 
I mean, and, and think about this. Think about Peter today. Now we have like St. Petersburg cities in, in, the, in the world and St. Peter's Basilica and hundreds of thousands of boys have been named Peter through the years. And, you know, Peter's got two books in the Bible and he got to preach at Pentecost. So it's not like really he left a whole lot to follow Jesus, right? I mean, he said, you know, Lord, what's in it for me? If I've been Jesus, I'd just slapped him silly, but I'm thankful that Jesus is not like me. <laughs> Because Jesus answered his question just very seriously. Jesus said, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundred times. Now, you, you math scholars, you tell me what function of mathematics is being employed there. That sounds like multiplication to me. Times. A hundred times as much and will inherit, because that's a gift, and will inherit eternal life. So what are we learning there? It's not just money. Anytime you're willing to release the things that human beings normally hold on to, put it in the hands of Christ and wait, you will be living large. I've discovered that sometimes money is the easiest thing for me to give God. Let me tell you what is hard. Trust. When somebody has hurt me really deeply, and I'm angry, and I'm holding a grudge, and I don't want to forgive, and I'm holding justice, I'm holding vengeance in my heart, and I'm right, and I know I've been hurt, and I know I've been wronged, and I want to have the, I want to have the right to growl when I see that person coming. God says if I'll take that and release it and turn it over to him and back off for him, and wait for him to work, I can be living large. You see what I'm saying? This is so much bigger than just releasing our money. Let, let me tell you something else I have a hard time releasing. I've kidded you guys through the years saying that I, I'm a poster child for attention deficit disorder. That's really true. I was, pre, I was speaking on the East Coast one, one weekend. I was flying back on Sunday afternoon. And you have to, like I've always told you guys, if you're going to heaven, you have to fly through Atlanta. And definitely, whenever I'm flying somewhere, I'm usually coming through Atlanta. And so I, I was at the, uh, the Atlanta airport, and I picked up the Atlanta newspaper and the Journal-Constitution, and their, their whole magazine section was on attention deficit disorder, and they listed 25 symptoms of ADD. And you had a chance to check them off, and if you had like 10, they said, well, you're, you know, if you had like 15, you were like moderately ADD. I, I had 24 out of 25. <laughs> and you won't believe how hard I've worked on that 25th one not to have it. Do you know what's hard for me? What's really hard is, I mean, I, I go nonstop. My mind just never stops. It is hard for me to stop and give all my attention to God. We live in a world that's attention. I mean, we're, we're just challenged for, any, for giving our complete attention to anybody. I was driving yesterday, and I saw something. I mean, I see this all the time, but it just kind of like stood out to me. Here was a woman in an SUV with tons of steel and a big motor, and she's driving down the road and texting while she's driving. And some of you are saying, was that me? <laughs> um, <laughs> which road was it, Mark? Isn't it, isn't it like, our, isn't, I mean, it's, how can you just like stop the music? Because, I mean, we live in an age where technology is like giving us all this stuff, but it's taking away all of our attention. We have Blackberries, we have cell phones, you know, we have laptop computers. And many of us are on duty all the time. And some of you are in the financial world. And so you're working 10 hours a day. And then in the middle of the night, you have to get up and check the European markets. I mean, it's like, where's the margin? 
know what God is saying to me? God is saying, Mark, listen, if you'll just stop the music and give me some of your attention, you know what God will do? He will take that seed of attention that I give to him and he'll begin to multiply margin in my life. I've discovered that's true. Seed is who you are. Seed is is you. I mean, you know, if you cut this apple seed, I'm not going to find peach seed in here. This is apple seed. When 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 I find one of these apple seeds, it's the essence of apple. Seed is who you are. It's who you are as a person. It it is what you acquire, but it's who you are and what you think and how you love and how you feel and what your dreams are. God is saying, listen, if you want to live large, take your seed and hand it over to Christ. Trust him with it. Then he'll multiply. I know New Spring, we have many, many young people here at New Spring, but I also know we have some middle-aged people here at New Spring. And I bet I'm talking to somebody here today. And you know how it is when you go to sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night and your thoughts are just so deep because there's nothing else scrambling for your thoughts. And you're thinking thoughts like, I really wonder if I'm going to run out of resources before I die. I want to tell you today, by the grace of God, you can live large the rest of your life if you'll accept this principle. There are things that only God can do in your life. But let me just tell you a message that I think gets overlooked in church a lot. There are things that only you can do. There's some stuff here that God will not make a decision for you. Because some of you, you know, I'm this way sometimes. I can hear a message like this, and I can just go home, and I can pray, and I can say, God, thank you for the message I received this morning. Would you just do this in my life? This is one that God will not do. Let me read a verse to you to explain it. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, the Bible says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. See, I have to do this. God won't do it for me. God won't come down from heaven and say, okay, Mark, I've decided that you need to give forgiveness here, and you need to give time and attention here, and you need to give money here, and you need to give you know, uh, your talent here. God's not going to do that because God loves you so much. He has made you a, fr- a person with free choice. So God says, do you want to live a life of multiplication? Then each one of you, nobody can do it. Husbands can't do it for wives. Parents can't do it for kids. Friends can't do it for friends. Pastors can't do it for audience. Audience can't do it for pastor. Each of us must decide how we are going to live and give in our lives. And the Bible says this. I mean, we're in Kansas. Man, this is an agricultural state. We understand this. You plant a few seed, you get a skimpy crop. You plant a lot of seed, you have the potential for a generous crop. Take that and apply it. But let me talk about something else for just about five minutes and I'll be through with this talk. There's one place in my life and your life where we're going to have to determine how we will plant the most important seed we are given. In your life, you're going to have money, you're going to have possessions, you're going to have family, you're going to have friends, abilities, education. But there's something that you hold right now, please. There's something that you own right now that is worth more than everything else. 
and that is your soul. It used to freak me out when I was in church and a pastor would talk about your soul. I'm thinking, what is a soul? Man, it's just who you are. Pinch your skin, you've got a body, but the real person is living inside your body. I mean, this body, it's not going to last forever. I'm almost 52. I can tell you right now, I know it ain't going to last forever. It ain't holding out too well now. But the person inside of my body is going to live forever. Now listen, guys. I have to determine what I'm going to do with my most precious possession. Here's how Jesus said it. He said, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? At some point, you're going to have to take your soul and put it on somebody's table. Like Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. i got to take who I am, put it on the table, and say, I'm trusting my soul right here. Last night, <clears throat> a friend sent me a, an email of a, you know, I guess we have a, a famous talk show host who's kind of like getting into this new age religious kind of gig where like God is everything and everything is God, which is just old warmed over pantheism. But, and, and so I kind of watched this, 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 um, this email and, and this video and <clears throat> this talk show host was saying, well, Jesus came into our world to show us how to live and that's really why he came into the world. But that's not the question, is it? Why did Jesus die? That's the question. But in any event, the one thing that she just kept hawking over and over was that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Jesus is not the only way to heaven. I thought about that for a moment. Because I know that we live in a world today that teaches that. And a lot of people who follow Christ, they really struggle with that, Jesus being the only way to heaven. But remember, at some point, you've you got to take who you are and you've got to put it on somebody's table. Hey, guys, let me see straight with you for a moment. If you believe in God and you believe in the reality of sin... Jesus is the only answer. Because if there's a God who's great, then I'm going to be accountable to him. And if sin exists, then something's got to be done with my sin. Can can you show me another way? Who offers another way? Listen, I I know, I I could never make a decision for you. I mean, I I respect the fact that God has given everybody a free choice, and I wouldn't try to do anything about it. I can just tell you this, that for me, I've taken who I am, and I've turned it over to Jesus for safekeeping. And I may fail, I may gain, I may lose, but at the end of the day, I've turned my soul over to Jesus. I've turned it to his hands, and I'm backing off. I'm real good with my choice. I'm real good. I can tell you, I don't worry at night what happens to me. You know, I was listening to this, this person talk, and really, you know, here's the deal. If you believe that everything is God, you know, there's a logic thread that goes with that. If everything is God, then nothing is God. If nothing is God, then I am God. But my problem is, what am I going to do about my eternity? Because when you die, you sort of like lose all control, don't you? I'm not worried about that. I've taken who I am, and I've turned it over to Jesus Christ, and I've said, Lord, you take control. Because he has made me this promise. He has said that if I will trust him as my Savior, he'll forgive all my sins, wash my sins away, establish a relationship between God and me that I can't establish, and that he will secure my soul for eternity. I'm all over that. I'm all over that. Nobody's ever offered me a better deal. You know what? I'm not going to live for just 70 years or 60 or 80. 
And my dad's talking to me. He says, son, I'm not feeling too good. I'm getting old. I always say to dad, what's 83 years to a guy who's going to live forever? If you've never done that today, I want to give you an opportunity. Say, well, Mark, what do you want me to do? Join New Spring Church? Well, love for you to be here, but that won't do it. You say, Mark, you want me to give money? Hey, listen, that won't do it. You want me to volunteer? Well, we need volunteers at New Spring, but that won't do it either. There is only one thing that will secure you a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's asking for it. It's a gift, man. You can't earn it. You couldn't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. Anything that anybody tries to add to it will mess it up. It is a gift. It is just you coming to Jesus Christ, seeing that he died for you on the cross, knowing that he rose from the grave, that he's in heaven, listening to hear from you right now, and you saying, Lord, I bring you who I am, and I'm trusting you with my soul. Man, you can live large forever that way. Let's pray. If you've never invited Christ into your life, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. You don't have to pray mine if you don't want to, but I'm going to give you some words. I'll say them slowly, and if you mean them from your heart, you'll have everything that God has promised you. Ready? Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I've sinned against God. But I believe you died for me. As of this morning, I trust you with my eternal soul. Save me. Forgive me. Make me God's child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with, with me in your heart and you meant it, you just made the most important decision of your life. It's the biggest thing in the world. I'd like for you to do something, though. It's a simple thing um, to pray, and I want you to really understand what you just did. I've got a gift here for you. It's got some DVDs, some great information that will help you know and understand what you just did and help you know how to take the next steps. It's free. It won't cost you anything. If you'll take your worship folder, there's a detachable card. If you'll put your name and address on there, drop the card in the boxes by the back doors, the bottom of the staircases. I'll mail this to you this week. If you're like me and you don't like to wait, all you ADD people out there and you want it today, you don't have to wait. Just bring your card right back to the middle through New Spring store or guest services. Hand them the card and say, I prayed with Mark, and they'll give it to you, and you can take it home with you today. And you can start a wonderful journey of living with Christ. Guys, thank you for helping me today. This is a challenging message. You know, I don't know where God's going to take this in your life, but I do know this. If you'll trust God and you'll, like, take the seed you have in your life, whatever it is that God is leading you to do, and turn it over to him, you can live large.